0: Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, help us to see that even as we begin the new year, the eternal things are still the most important things. Uh, the understanding of your word, to, to understand what Jesus has done for us, to, to continue to be strong in our faith, uh, to continue to trust in Jesus alone, uh, the waiting of expectation for Jesus to return, to take us to heaven. And we pray that as we look at your word today, you will help us to truly understand your word better, uh, to take it to heart once again. And we pray for all these things. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now on the wall of uh, my uh, working area is a posted note that uh, I've had ever since I started work uh, as a pastor. <coughs> actually, I shouldn't say started work. Started out as a pastor. And um, the the the, word, the note actually says this, actually it's very faded now, so you can hardly see it, but I know what it says. Uh, and uh, it says this, Save souls and persevere them till Jesus Christ comes. And I think that that's always been uh, the mission statement, the motto, and the purpose of, I think, uh, what a, Christ- a pastor or an- and other Christians should be. To save souls and to persevere them till Jesus Christ comes. But I think that over time I've sort of realized that as much as I uh, try as hard as I can, uh, I can't actually save people and I can't actually help people to persevere. Because ultimately, it's God's work and a lot of it depends on man and woman's choice to be saved or whether to persevere. Uh, It would be overestimating my role to say that I save people or I persevere them in Christ. I can only help people as we can help people to be saved and to persevere. Because in the end, it's something that uh, the individual must choose for themselves and whether to be saved and to persevere. But I think that uh, all of us here today, and, I, and I'm i mean, I'm sure all of you are here today because you want to persevere uh, till Jesus comes again. Anybody here disagree with me? No, I don't think so, right? Well, hopefully if you, if you do, come and speak to me later. <laughs> but I realize that uh, God has given us a few things as individuals in order to help us to persevere till Jesus comes again. And I think the Bible tells us that there are three really main things. One is to read the Bible, read His Word, The other thing is to pray and the other thing is to open ourselves up to good fellowship so that we may be encouraged, uh, taught, corrected, helped and prayed for. Now today as we begin the new year, I really want to focus on the importance of Bible reading. Uh, And I'm really indebted to my ex-theological college principal, John Woodhouse, for many of the points that I'm making today. I want to ask you a question as you begin the new year, how many of you read the Bible regularly? Not hear the Bible, as you come to church on Sunday or read it during Bible study, but how many of you actually read the Bible for yourself regularly? I mean, honestly, read it regularly. Well, I'm sure that your experience is similar to mine, in the sense where we we struggle with reading the Bible regularly. Uh, It can become a burden and a chore. But yeah, I think I've realized more and more how important it is to actually read the Bible for yourselves regularly. Uh, When I first came back from studying overseas, I was on fire for Jesus Christ, I had been converted overseas, and I remember when I was in university, I used to go to university fellowship maybe three or even four times a week. And that was the main way in which I grew as a Christian. And as I came back to Singapore and I started work, I realized that my Christian life was actually growing drier and drier. And I realized it was because I had been depending on other people for my Christian walk when I was overseas. And then I undertook to read the Bible a lot more by myself, and that helped me grow as a Christian and continue on as a Christian. And even today, as I meet many university students, as they come back from overseas, they share the same thing. And they come back and say they feel really dry, they feel really tired as a Christian. And I always challenge them and say, you know, how is your Bible reading going? Because in the busyness of life, we can't meet every day, but we can read the Bible every day. So Jesus said, uh, when he replied to Satan when he was tempting him, in... Um, Matthew chapter 4, when he quoted Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, he said to Satan, he said, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I think Jesus made a very good point, right, as he quoted back to Satan what uh, God had said in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, just as a healthy person needs food to survive, so a Christian needs to keep feeding on God's word. Without regularly feeding on God's word, reading God's word, allowing yourself to be soaked in God's word, it's very hard to grow and to survive as a Christian. But this year, um, as we come to the new year, you I know, I made some more bookmarks. You know, I get them out every year. But I realized that in the previous years, I gave you a bookmark saying that you know you should try to read the Bible. Today is a good day to read the Bible every day, right? Remember, I. If you still have your bookmarks, if you haven't lost it already. But I realized that there's actually more to reading the Bible than just reading the Bible regularly. Because what I found is when I talk to people, many people read the Bible, but they don't read the Bible profitably. All right, they don't read the Bible profitably. You can open the Bible and you can read the Bible, but you may not be reading the Bible profitably. And the reason is you may be reading it with the wrong attitude, or the wrong understanding, or the wrong priority, or the wrong way. So today I want to uh, look at a few Things which help us to read, help us read the Bible profitably, uh, with real spiritual value. And if you follow the outline, you see that I've given you four wrong ways of reading the Bible and four remedies to it. So, one wrong way of reading the Bible, which I think some people, uh, use, is the read it and close it method. Right? It's like, uh, it's like the legalistic, uh, Bible reading, uh, method. You know, it's, one, it's where like, you, maybe you have a Bible reading plan and every day there's a chapter for you to read and you have this feeling where, okay, if I read the Bible today, I will be blessed by God today. Uh, any of you have that sort of thinking? Like, if I, if I read the Bible every day, then God is with me and He will bless me with what I'm doing today. Uh, some people think like that. I used to think like that too. Uh, sometimes, you know, even for myself, uh, I go to sleep at night. Before I sleep, I think, I haven't read the Bible tonight. Okay. The reading for today is John chapter 5. Okay. Let's go. Okay. I finished. And I, okay, I've done it. Now I can tick the box. I finished reading John chapter 5 and I feel good about myself. But what does that actually achieve for me? Starting at the first word, first verse of chapter 5 and ending at the last verse and moving my eyes down a list of black marks on a page without really understanding it. See, what is the purpose of reading God's Word? Is it just to check the box or to feel that somehow God will bless me because I've read God's Word today or somehow God is very pleased with me because i read God's Word today? No, I don't think so, right? See, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 actually tells us the purpose of reading God's Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, if you follow on your own Bibles or if you look up here on the slide, Paul tells uh, his uh, student, Timothy, that as for you, continue what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know, from, know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for good work, for every good work. So I think that actually the, the, the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of Bible reading is twofold. Uh, it then, there verse 15, the first reason to make you wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. And the second reason is to be taught and rebuked and to be corrected and trained in righteousness so that you may be equipped to do good work. So, I think the, the two purposes when we come to God's Word is to know why you become a Christian. How you become a Christian. To be wise for salvation. And not just how and why of being, becoming a Christian, but what it means to be a Christian, how to live as a Christian. So, I think that when we open God's Word, it's not about I'm um, pleasing God, God is very really happy with me because I'm reading His Word, I'll be blessed today. But I'm reading God's Word. To know why I'm a Christian, how I became a Christian, to give thanks to God that I'm a Christian, but also to know how I'm to live as a Christian. So I remember uh, when I was talking to Y one day, he quoted me a book about how this guy was saying that when you read God's word, you don't have to just limit yourself to the Bible reading for the day, right? It's like it's not like you know when you eat food, right? You know, like I'm only going to eat this plate of chicken rice today because you know if I eat two or three today, then it's going to make me really fat, right? But you know, when you read the Bible, you don't have to restrict yourself to one chapter, right? You know, It's, like, it's not like if I, eat, if, I eat, if I feed myself two or three or four chapters, I'm going to get obese in understanding the Bible. You should keep reading God's Word until you feel fed by God's Word. Until you feel as if God is speaking to you and you understand and appreciate uh, the way of salvation, what He's done for you, and how you should live as a Christian. It's not profitable. You don't read the Bible profitably if you just read it, just to tick the box to say, I've read the Bible today, without actually understanding, feeling your heart, getting in in, in your very soul what God is speaking to you. So I think the first mistake that some people make is the legalistic way of reading the Bible. You just read the Bible because you think it's something that you have to do, without actually getting anything out of it. The second problem, I think, is the problem of... The self-centered uh, devotion. Okay, so I, I read the Bible and uh, I read it in a self-centered way. <clears throat> so, uh, in the world that we live in, uh, who's the most important person? Uh, in your conversations, what is the word that you keep repeating the most? Uh, what is the word that is used above all else when you think about your thing in your thoughts? It's the word I, isn't it? I am the most important person. So, I'm always thinking about myself as the center of the universe. I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, and there's the most important person in the world, me. And I think that that's one of the problems we can have when we read the Bible. We read it in a self centered way. We want to find out what the Bible is saying about me. All right? So, the problem is that the Bible is not about you. I mean, maybe it's a bit insulting, but it's not about you, right? It's about God and it's about Jesus. I remember reading this book uh, by Christopher Ash about being married for God. It's a really thick book and uh, the very first sentence that he begins his book with is to say that the Bible is not a book about marriage. And the Bible isn't a book about marriage. The Bible tells us stuff about marriage, but the Bible is a book about God. And it tells us about God's view on marriage. And I think that that's why sometimes we find it really hard to read the Bible, right? Because, you know, when we read the Bible, we think, where am I in here, right? It's just talking about all these things, but where am I? Uh, what what, what does it tell me about my health? What does it tell me about my problems? What does it tell me about my finances? What does it tell me about my relationships? You know, where am I in this, in this book? But actually, the Bible is not about you, it's about God. And if you want to read it profitably, it's to know that it's about what it's saying about God. Now, the problem is, um, when, let's say, take for example, you're a businessman and you're having trouble at work, and uh, you think you are the most important person in the world, and I'm going to read the Bible, and uh, it's going to tell me about my business problems, uh, having trouble with my client, my boss is angry at me. What what does the Bible tell me about me to solve my problems? So, I happen to turn, turn to Joshua chapter 1, right? And Joshua chapter 1 says, verse 8, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. But then the problem is that if I think the whole Bible is about me, and I read this verse, what I think I think, well, God is giving me this promise that if I, if I, if I let the Bible feed me, I will be prosperous and successful. So the businessman goes off and uh, he thinks, you know. God has promised me that I will get this deal, and that I'll get promoted, and I'll do well, and I'll become the CEO of my company. And what happens over time, maybe the, the salesman doesn't get his uh, commission, he doesn't do well at work, he doesn't become the CEO, and he thinks, well, God hasn't spoken to me, right? God has spoken to me falsely. But that's because he's come to the Bible thinking that it's about himself. But actually, Joshua chapter 1 is not about the businessman himself. It's about God giving promises to Joshua in fulfillment to his promises to Israel to enter into the promised land. See, rather than reading the Bible and thinking it's about me with the wrong attitude, we come to the Bible and say, what does it say about God? And with the wrong focus, you actually have the wrong understanding and it's not profitable for you. But if you really understand what the Bible is about God and what God is doing in the world, and I'm just part of this big plan, then you're actually reading and you think, well, thank God for God including me in the plan that he has, rather than trying to find myself in the Bible all the time. The next problem that I, um, uh, I'm going to bring up might be a bit sensitive to some people, and you come and speak to me and straighten me out later, because some people have before when I share this illustration. But another problem is uh, what I call one-verse Bible reading. You know, have you ever heard of one-verse Bible reading? Oh well, why bother with the whole chapter? Just read one verse, right? And then that's your quiet time for the day. Any of you ever done that before? You know, I just look around. Oh yeah, John chapter five, so long, so boring. Let me just look at. Oh, there it is. I like that verse. Okay, verse ten. That's my verse for the day, right? But the problem is that that's a one verse way of Bible reading. And I read this verse and I get an idea from that uh, that verse. Then I get a thought. And then from that thought comes the application, and there is my Bible reading for the day. So, um, unfortunately, this is where my illustration gets me in trouble. Um, many of you have been familiar with uh, this uh, Daily Bread, right? Uh, I used to read Daily Bread too. I, I still read Daily Bread. I think it can be interesting and helpful. So, let me give you an illustration from July 15, 2003. Okay. So, in July, 5th, next slide, 15, 2003. Uh, This is the title of the reading, Givers and Takers. And it looks at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him labor, working with his hands what is good that he may give, so he may have something to give him who has need. So obviously, usually, for those of you who are daily bread readers like myself, you know, you sit in the bus maybe or the MRT and read your daily bread, you don't really pay much attention to the verse. You pay attention to the story. Okay, so you read the story, right? Then the story is about uh, Jimmy. Okay, so Jimmy doesn't want to be a policeman, or a doctor, or a lawyer, or fireman. He wants to be a philanthropist. But actually, unfortunately, philanthropist is not really a job. La. You're only already a philanthropist after you become rich being a lawyer or a doctor. Right? You, you can't you know, grow up and say, I want to be a philanthropist. But anyway, so uh, he decides to become a philanthropist. And, um, and the Apostle Paul encouraged takers to become givers. So you know the quotes Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, and then it says, "Well, you know why should you give? Why is giving so good? Why should we all become philanthropists?" And Proverbs chapter 14 is quoted, "Because that kind of giving will give joy uh, to the giver." Now this is a classic case of a one- verse Bible reading, right? Because you know the, the verse triggers the idea, and the idea triggers the application, and then the application leads to the lesson for today, which is, what's the lesson for the day? Being a giver, let's be givers because it's a joyful thing, right? Sounds like Christmas, the joy of giving, okay? Should be December 25th, <laughs> right? But actually, when you, when you look at uh, uh, the, the, the passage, Ephesians chapter 4, and that's why it's important to read God's word rather than the verse, what's it really saying? Okay, so let me uh, take the time to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 28, which is the section from which it comes from. And uh, I'm not going to spend very long on that, unfortunately, but you can get the gist of what I'm saying, right? Uh, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, but continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, See, now when you look at the passage itself, when you read God's word and not just the verse, it is not just the idea of the joy of giving. It's not about the joy of giving, there's much, so much more to it, right? It's about how you've, you've moved from being lost in darkness and sensuality and indulging your impurity and lust uh, to moving to a new self, to righteousness, to holiness. And that means that you will not speak falsehood or untruth and you, you will not be angry and that you will not steal, but you will work. And as a result of this new life, then you will be generous. You see, there's so much more than just uh, the joy of giving. See, the problem is when you, when you have one verse uh, Bible reading, you're not reading the Bible profitably because you're not actually listening from God's Word. You're just using that one verse and let it spring out all sorts of ideas that you want to think about. So if you look at this diagram, I think this is quite helpful, this diagram. Um, see if you just have this verse and you just spring off and you just come up with all these random ideas, then you're not actually listening and reading God's word that it, in the way that God wants you to read it. You, you're, you're actually just coming out of your own ideas. But rather as we saw before in 2 Timothy, next slide, the way to read it is to read the verse in its chapter within the book, within the old T or the new T and to see the way of salvation, to make us wise for salvation and how we should live in the Christian life. That is what a profitable Bible reading is. Because here, there was reading with the wrong focus, isn't it, before? Myself. But now it's the wrong understanding and just reading it by one verse. Now, the last problem, which I'm going to look at uh, now, is where uh, we ch- do not just rely on God's Word, but we rely on something else to interpret God's Word for us, so we know we don't come to the Bible and read it, but we allow something else to filter the Bible to us. So I, I came up with this diagram a while ago. Next slide, it's the bird Bible, right? Not bird Bible, the bird diagram. Okay, and uh, bird is just a helpful way of helping me remember what are the competing authorities in which rule our life or help us uh, feed. Our Christian growth. Okay so what is birth? Uh, next slide. So there are uh, different ways I mean if you if, you know you can use this diagram many ways actually it's a very very good diagram in a sense. Uh, it represents the different authorities in our life. So for Protestant Christians we say that is Bible alone, word alone right? Uh, for Catholics there is tradition plus the Bible for charismatics, there's the Holy Spirit or religious experience plus the Bible. For liberal churches, there is worldly reason plus the Bible. But I think as well in our Bible reading, we can also fail to read the Bible profitably because we supplement the Bible or even overrule the Bible by by relying on other things apart from just reading God's Word. So, what is tradition? We'll look at the T first, okay? We'll work backwards. What is the T? What is tradition? Tradition is basically a body of belief that you hold on to year after year because it's been the way that we've been doing it over time. Now, the problem is the Bible says that tradition is not authoritative in itself. It is the Word of God which is authoritative, not tradition. Tradition may have flowed from the Bible, but over time it can become corrupted and it can actually lead us astray. So, Matthew 15, which was uh, we did for our first slide, Okay, next one, sorry. we missed all the pictures. Okay, don't worry about that. Okay, next one. Okay, so Matthew chapter 15, a Jesus right was condemning the religious leaders and saying, look, you know, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Uh, and he puts the word of God against tradition and, and finds tradition lacking, right? Here's what God said, honor your father and mother, which comes from the Ten Commandments. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say, which is their tradition says, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God. He is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Okay, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, their teachings about rules taught by men. See, tradition and the Bible can be in conflict. And actually, in this case, what was happening was, if in the past, in their tradition, someone said, I devote my car as a gift to God. So, let's say I drive my Corolla and I say, I, I, I devote it to, to God. That means that in the un- ancient understanding of the Jews, they were no longer to use it to ferry their old parents to the hospital, or if I devote my, uh, my HDB flat to God, then I can't let my parents stay there, I can only let the pastor stay there. Okay, So that's actually against what God's Word said, because their tradition had been elevated above the Bible. Now we can do the same thing, you see, because rather than relying on the Word of God, we rely on tradition. So I remember when I used to go to Saramban very often, Cheryl had an aunt who uh, was a very religious woman. But every morning what she would do is she would pray through the rosary. Right? And she would pray through these prayers. Very, very devout. She was every morning, pray through the rosaries, pray through these prayers that she had been given in church. As far as I know, I never saw her once reading God's Word. All. Or... See, we can do the same thing. Some people follow the tradition of church. They just go to church every Sunday and they say, that is enough for me. I don't need to read God's Word. I just hear secondhand what uh, the church is saying to me, but that's not good. That's uh, that's actually not reading God's word profitably. It's not actually coming and being fed by God's word. You're doing fed by tradition. I think the more relevant uh, problem for us today is the problem of the spirit and the, and God's word. Okay, you can show the next picture now. All right, uh, that many people today, especially as uh, we over the last century, the rise of the Pentecostal and the Charismatic movement, there seems to be this conflict, you know, when you speak to Charismatics or Pentecostals where they say, oh yeah, you know, you have the Bible, but we have the Spirit. Or you know, Presbyterians are very strong in the Bible, but we are very strong in the Spirit. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit and God's Word are like op- opponents to each other, you know, it's like your Star Hub, I'm um, Singtel, you know, or your Apple and I'm Android, or maybe your Xbox and I'm PlayStation. Okay, it, it, But the thing is, see, the Bible doesn't mean for the Holy Spirit to be opposed to God's Word, His Word. How can God be opposed to Himself? He, he is Himself, right? The Holy Spirit is part of God and His Word is part of Himself. I think today people have misunderstood the role of the Holy Spirit. So, you actually have people who say, okay, you know, what do you do for your quiet time? Well, I, I read God's Word, but you know, part of it also is I sit in a quiet corner And I try to listen to what God is saying to me. And I pray to God for just guidance. Guide, tell me, show me the way. Give me a sign. But actually the Bible says that the Holy Spirit doesn't work independently of God's word, but actually the Holy Spirit works through God's word to tell us what God is saying. In John chapter 14, it says this, right? Okay. All this I have spoken while still with you. This is Jesus speaking. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Uh, Now the Counselor here is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, when I leave, I will send the Holy Spirit to to help you remember and know what I have said. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate independently of God's Word, but through God's Word. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which I think is what we read today. was it 2 Corinthians chapter 2? Okay, you must go and check the reference. Oh, is it 1? Okay, 1. Uh, Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he says, look, we speak a, a message of wisdom, the word, right, to the mature. But you notice that the people of that day, the rulers of the age, didn't understand why? Because God reveals it to us by His Spirit. So the Spirit and the Word are not in competition with one another, but they work together. Now I think this is very important, because I have met many people who choose to listen to the Holy Spirit, but do not want to listen to the Word. I've met people who are struggling with their marriage, Uh, they have some sort of uh, sexual issue, and uh, instead of reading God's Word, they pray to the Holy Spirit, For guidance and then they say oh you know God spoke to me somehow through the Holy Spirit gave me a sign uh, that I should divorce my wife or my husband but they don't go to God's word and see that God hates divorce Uh, someone told me this joke about in one church uh, all the guys many guys not all the guys many guys go to the girls and say oh you know the Holy Spirit told me that you'll be going out with me but the the, the 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 interesting observation this person made was, you know, the problem is the Holy Spirit only seems to choose the good-looking girls. <laughs> so is it really the Holy Spirit speaking to the person or is it your, you know, your wishes pretending to be the Holy Spirit? See, the un, un, the, the answer is not to listen to the Holy Spirit against the Bible, but is to allow the Holy Spirit to inform you through the Bible. Now, last of all uh, next slide Okay, is worldly reason versus the Bible. Uh, Now, worldly reason is basically, instead of listening to God's word and reading God's word profitably, we prefer to listen to people tell us about God's word. Uh, Now, let me ask you an honest question, because I know this is very true for some of us. How many of you prefer to read a Christian book rather than the Bible? I'm sure some of us would prefer to read a Christian book rather than the Bible, right? How many of you would prefer to listen to a sermon than to read the Bible? I know some of us prefer to listen to sermons, right? You drive to work or you go to MIT, you listen to a sermon and you think, okay, that's my quiet time for the day. But the problem is that the sermon, the book, does not necessarily tell us what God's Word is saying. It's just man telling you what God's Word is saying. It's human reason placed as a filter over God's word. Uh, so I remember uh, this pastor Joshua Ng was telling me that when he teaches at the University of New South Wales in Sydney that increasingly he meets many young Christians and he'll open the Bible uh, for them and explain things to them and they, their answer isn't to go back to the Bible and, and argue with him and to work things through with him but they'll say, oh my pastor said this or I read this book that said this. So rather than go and listen to God's word, they prefer to actually listen to, to what someone wrote or said, and honestly, this is I think the most dangerous thing for us as Christians because man's thoughts do not necessarily reflect uh, God's thoughts. Uh, There is this Christian person I know who uh, I've been trying to reach out to for many, many years and for his whole life he struggled as a Christian and he rarely read the Bible, he wasn't very regular at church. Anyway, today, he goes to a Prosperity Gospel Church, and I remember talking to his wife, and his wife was saying, oh, you know, I'm so happy now that we're at this uh, church, because my, my husband is reading so much, and I'm like, "Wow, that's amazing, you know, he never read the Bible when, he was, when I knew him, but now he's reading so much, and I said, well, what is he reading? Is he reading the Bible? He says, no, he's reading all these books about the prosperity gospel, you know, so every day he's reading all these books about how God is going to bless him, make him rich and prosperous, and he loves reading those books, he listens to those sermons over and over again, it's like, he's reading all these things but he's not actually listening to God's word. I know of uh, another person who uh, thinks that uh, actually the whole purpose of becoming a Christian uh, is to be happy. God wants me to be happy. He doesn't read the Bible, he just reads all these books where it promises him that God wants him to be happy. But these are not uh, profitable ways of reading the Bible because, or actually even understanding the Bible, because these are ideas which are filtering the Bible to you. You're actually putting man's reason above the Bible. And it's very dangerous because the Bible says in 2 Timothy here, First four. Uh, again Paul tells Timothy, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. In Proverbs 14 it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. See, so for, for this person that I know, the one who goes to the Prosperity Gospel Church now, he's reading, he's consuming all these words about God wanting him to be rich and prosperous and successful, but does he actually read God's word which warns him about the idolatry of money? No. Does he read God's word which tells him about the danger of greed? No. Does he read God's word which tells him that there's more to life than just being rich and successful in this life and that there's a future beyond that? No. Because he's not listening to God's word, he's only interested in man's ideas about him getting rich. See, there's nothing wrong with using our intellect or hearing a sermon, right? It's not like I'm saying, you know, don't ever come to church anymore, just stay at home and read your Bible. But our intellect, other people, sermons, books, must actually sit under God's word and not sit over God's word. So in Isaiah chapter 66, it says this, right? Uh, This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Okay. In Isaiah's time, these people, instead of humbling themselves and trembling before His word and being contrite, they, they actually follow what they want to do. He right, says, when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They, they did evil and they chose what displeased God. See, when we come before God's word, we must be having the right attitude of hum- humility and, and contriteness and trembling before God's word, rather than setting ourselves above God's word and picking and choosing what we want out of it. So, as we begin the new year, I'd like to encourage you to read the Bible regularly, but not just read it regularly, but read it profitably. Read it with the right reason, not to check the box. Read it with the right focus, not to find ourselves in the Bible, but to see what God is saying to us in terms of our salvation and the way we should live. Read it with the right priorities, not with tradition or man's reason or the spirit over the Bible, but having the Bible over all these things reading with the right understanding, not just with one verse, creating an idea. I think that when many of us first became a Christian, if some of you were converted at a later stage in life, if you look back, I think many of you, when you first started reading the Bible, would have found it really delightful, right? There was great excitement in reading the Bible. I remember when I first became a Christian, when I first became a Christian, I read the, the Gospels and it was like, wow, this is really great. There's such great things. You know, I'm reading all these things. I'm learning these things. I'm seeing all the connections. Everything comes together. And I think that uh, that's what it means to to actually be excited for God, right? If you find the Bible boring, then really you're saying that you find God boring. If you find the Bible uninteresting, then you're saying you find God uninteresting. If you if you don't delight in it, then you don't delight in God, basically. And I think many times it's because we read it the wrong way, right? We, we, we think, oh, I'm just doing it because I'm, I am to please God. Or I'm reading it because I want something for myself. I'm reading it because, uh, you know, I, I want to, 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 to uh, actually focus on myself and just get the idea for one verse for the day. But let's really feed ourselves on God's word. And by doing so, God has actually given us one of the main tools to help us to persevere till Jesus comes again. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we thank you so much for you are not a God who has kept us at a distance, in the dark, in ignorance, but rather you have given us your word. Your word which speaks so powerfully of salvation, of our eternal future, of the blessings that we've received, of the mighty things that you've done. You've also given us your word to tell us how we are to live as we wait expectantly for Jesus. Dear Father, we pray for each and every one of us here that you may help us to come back to your word, to feed on it, to help us grow in Christ, to take delight in it, to once again read it with wonder at the great things you've done for us. Help us to read it profitably, dear God. Not the wrong focus, not the wrong attitude, not the wrong priorities, but really just read your word and to let it speak to us and to let it speak to us clearly every day. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.